Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Conn Report wherever you get your podcast. You're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media, A-M-P-I-R-E. As you can see, I am joined by the voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein, as we're going to discuss the Washington Commanders' first pick in the, in the draft, corner Emmanuel Forbes with the 16th overall selection. Bram, your quick reaction here. Has anyone talked to Fred Smoot? Is he popping champagne somewhere? Oh, Smoot, um, is, Smoot is ecstatic. This he is, is ecstatic. Uh, he loves being, nobody loves being right more than Smoot. Smoot's been talking about this guy. First, he went to Mississippi State. Two, he's been talking about this guy. Um, three, I think they, they have the same build. <laughs> four, um, I think, I think I, you know, this is probably the biggest day for him since um, he tried to herald Red Wolves as the new name of the team. <laughs> So this is big this, night for Fred Smoot. This, this is his this is his redemption for not getting oh. that. Well, what do you think of the pick though? I I first of all, I really like this kid. And I'll, I'll get into that in a few minutes, but what do you think? So I'm a little, you know, when Christian Gonzalez was on the board, I I, I think I even tweeted Christian Gonzalez. You know, the second it got to the Jets picking ahead of them, and clearly they're not taking a corner. Um, I thought like that was the pick. Um, kind of seeing that the tackles that I assumed um, they'd be interested in were gone, um, that I thought that, you know, that was the pick. So I'm a little bit surprised. That said, like, there were two things that I think this team really needed to address in the draft and in the offseason, and this would be impossible to get in the offseason, playmaking corner and offensive line. And those were the most logical directions they could go. And there were a couple of others like, if Dalton Kincaid is there, and he was, would you go that way? Um, Osiris Torrance, you need, you know, an interior offensive lineman. That was logical too. Um, but those were the two like hot spots, I think, from the get-go that we said corner or offensive line one way or the other, most likely tackle in the first round. So I'm not surprised that this is the direction that they went. And when you watch him, you know, he doesn't look his build and he's a playmaker. And, you know, I think we've talked about this a lot and, and I've, thought about this a lot you know in the offseason what could change their defense from being really good to great is if they had a guy who flipped the field and that's like they have a lot of very good players in the secondary but nobody that was doing that and maybe this guy will be that for them well that's what he does and I think the other key here is too is behind this defensive line they have the ability to make plays with their secondary if you can hold up in coverage if you have the instincts that he has that's a big key because they do, they obviously have a really good defensive front. So that helps. Now I will say, and there, there are a couple of things, um, their top four tackles were gone. So you weren't going to go that in that direction. And I know they like guys like, you know, um, Matthew Bergeron and then Anton Harrison, they weren't going to go at 16 and Osiris Torrance to me, that was too high. And, and I would have had some concerns about him as a pass protector and how it would have taken him to develop. So I didn't, 
and then when you come down to like Gonzalez versus uh, Forbes, the one thing that I heard from them about Gonzalez during this process was they didn't like what they saw on tape versus Georgia. And that stuck with them. Did not have a good game at all against Georgia. Now he had a really good year the rest of the year, yeah. but I heard that too. So like, I think that was a big deterrent for them. And, and it wasn't just that year was a bad game. It's like, he didn't show well in a lot of areas at the run game, the screen game and, you know, cover, whatever. So it was, it was just, I think it gave them pause. And so when you're looking at to try and separate guys, stuff like that is going, could make a difference. Whereas with this kid, he just made plays and he made yeah. plays as Rivera said in the press conference afterwards in the sec. And so I think that gave him some added weight as well. <laughs> no yeah, pun funny. intended. I mean, like, it's a total aside, but like, I never thought even with all the slander this week that CJ Stroud would fall very far no. because I watched him play Georgia of all <laughs> right, people. Right. And that was the night where I went, that guy just made himself a lot of money Yes, it did. because like, no matter what you thought about him towards the end of the year where Ohio state was kind of up and down and you could kind of parse out his play a little bit when it mattered most in the national semifinal, he was incredible. Like he was, he was absolutely incredible. And I would argue, you know, you could, he could have been the number one pick tonight. So I'll hear them on all of that. We all kind of have our particulars about what they like, what they don't like. But I do think like just on the whole, there are two things I wanted this team to do uh, and to address. And, you know, you can't get both with one pick, but ball Hawk corner was top yeah. of the list along with really good, solid offensive line. And, you know, let's see what happens here the rest of the draft and let's see what happens second wave of free agency i don't think they're done no um, you know we've talked about this a lot and and like there was just no way that they were going to fill everything they needed to do but they did go after something tonight that was definitively missing um and maybe it's a missing piece for their defense because we have a lot of really unusual parts here now with the chase young decision montez sweat on the end of a contract cam curls on the end of his contract like they needed something i think that could kind of put them over the top as a defense. They've been very good. Can they be great? And, you know, it's a lot to put on a rookie, but he brings a skill set that they did not have. I like Kendall Fuller. I like Benjamin St. Juice. These are not guys that are going to have a lot of interceptions in a season. They're not guys that are, have a propensity to get a bunch of pick sixes. This is someone who could be a playmaking defensive back, and it's been missing in their secondary. So hopefully he fills that void for them. Well, and I think there's a couple of things too. Going back to the offensive line, what when the the other thing that I'd hear throughout this process was Andrew Wiley gives them options. So they didn't feel like they necessarily had to get a tackle or they have to get a guard because they had Wiley as kind of a wild card. If they got a tackle, they could put him to guard. If they get a guard, they can keep him at tackle. So it gives them some options going forward in this draft because the tackles to me are there are still a couple of tackles left, at least as when we're taping this that I think could interest them. But when the top four go, you're not going to force a pick just to get a guy because you have the right tackle. So now there are some guards that they like beyond the first round that you could go get if you want to go that direction. And so I think, I think he gets, so just for people who wanted the tackle, that's part of the thinking. And again, you don't force it. And, and I, I think that was, was smart. And then there was also Will Levis, the quarterback who was on the board there. They were never going to take him. That was never an option. And so clearly if they want him, they would have taken him, but they weren't going to take it. I think the only guy they would have, I think if, if one of the top two quarterbacks had fallen to 16, maybe then I, then you would consider it. That wasn't going to happen. So the other guys, they weren't going to take. Uh, just, just so in case people were wondering at that point, 
The other thing is, Bram, they said, Martin Mayhew said they didn't get any calls by anybody who wanted to move up. So they didn't have the option of trading back, which everybody would love to do. And I think they would like to have done it because there were still other guys there that they liked in addition to Forbes. So they could have gotten someone else. But the other thing with the thing I like about Forbes and and when I had Fred Smoot on the podcast and before Fred came on, I went and watched uh, Forbes play because I know how much Smoot loved him, but he's really good. And the one thing, it's funny because his weight came up. We talked to him after he was drafted. His weight came up. I asked the question about the weight because it's an issue. You hear it. But I don't know that it didn't seem like it was an issue for this team. And I know in talking to them, it didn't seem like it bothered him that much, this team, when they're talking about him. But one thing that Forbes said, and I like this, I'm going to paraphrase here. He said, they weren't worried about my weight because I can play ball. And yeah. that's true. So the one thing that both Mayhew and Rivera said afterwards is they 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 caught they felt his confidence when he came in during the top 30 visit. They felt his confidence and his comments like that. Like he and they even felt like he had a kind of a chip on his shoulder because of the weight, because everybody's going to bring it up. But as they said, he played in the SEC, he was durable, and he he played for his size, he played physical. But the, the other thing, and I'll say the last thing on this or two more things on, on his, he's very fast. He's a four, three, five, a guy, I think it is, but he's also got length. So that gives you, so with the length, with the speed, it allows you to play catch up even better. If you get beat, you gives you that, that little, maybe a 10th of a second more to your 40 time, because you do have that length that helps recovery and all that. And then as a, as a, the thing I love about him as a ball hawk is that one, he played receiver in high school. So he's got a receiver background. So he knows he can catch the ball. But I think as a defensive back, he understands routes and route combinations. That's why they like him in the zone match coverage system that they have. But it also enables him to play. Like when, one of the things I talked to them about before the before this draft, before tonight, was the ability to see you you in zone. You've got to see through your man to the quarterback, and he does that well. And I think there were routes that he could jump. Because of that, because he saw the play well, he sees the routes, he sees the quarterback, so he's his eyes in the right place. I think that gives him an advantage, and I think that's all. Those are things that are were attractive to him, so or to them. Yeah, I think like the weight is an issue to me. I'm not going to pretend it isn't. You know, I also said this about Jahan Dotson last year. I'm like his yeah. his height, you know, is the one thing that I look at and I go, okay, listen, like this is a different level. Um, you know, there are some things that can be taken advantage of your height or your weight, like that can be a problem. Um, so, you know, like he's not a linebacker. So it's not an undersized linebacker. It's not an undersized lineman. It's not something like that. And he shouldn't be in a million car wrecks. Um, but he is going to be taking on larger receivers in general. And so let, let's just see how that plays out. But, you know, listen, I'm with you. Like, it's not like he was getting hurt. He wasn't, you mm-hmm. know, like he is playing in the best league in college football against a number of players that are in the NFL with him. So the game's not too big for him. The speed of the game isn't too big, obviously not too big for him. And, but, you know, like, I think, like someone asked, I heard during the press conference, somebody asked something to the effect of like, would you like to see him put on some weight? And their answer was, he's still a young man and he's growing and maybe he'll continue to grow into his body. And, you know, until it becomes a liability, it's not, but I don't think we should dismiss it. And I think it's, listen, it's one of the reasons why, he wasn't the first corner taken off the board. He's got he skills. He broke man. a record for pick sixes. He's got skills. SEC, and he wasn't the first corner taken off the board. So that's the knock. Like, that's it, it the is. knock. Yeah. And he doesn't have to gain a lot. 
because you don't want to gain too much because then I think you start to take away from who you are as a player. But I do think you're going to want to bulk up a little bit because you're going to have to play the run a little bit differently in the NFL than you did, than you had to, to yep. do so in college. And so that will be something that he has to pay attention to. The other thing I thought was interesting, Bram, and the other, I think people were wondering about like Joey Porter Jr. Again, that was not going to happen. Um, and I said this, you and I talked about this. I hadn't heard that they were interested in him. If it wasn't, once Christian Gonzalez was there, I thought they would take him. And if it wasn't going to be him, I would have thought it was Deontay Banks. So right. it wasn't good, but it wasn't going to be Porter because they didn't, the, the, the knock on Porter was, could he transition? Could he be effective yeah. in the zone match? And and there were some other things too, that I didn't, you know, and I've been told at one point that he wasn't he certainly wasn't at the top of the list, like him, but would be a better fit for somebody else. And then Deontay Banks, you know, I thought he was, he, there was a lot about his profile that fit, but they kept going back to ball hawk game changer that's what they wanted. And that's not what Banks did for Maryland. Banks was physical, a very good corner, loved the competitiveness he showed, but he didn't get the ball. And, and he wasn't good when the with the ball in the air when he had to turn and find it, whereas Forbes is excellent with that. So I think that was a big separator there. So and you're you're a Maryland guy, you saw Banks, but I like Banks a lot because he when I saw him he got some, really he got a lot. I watched a lot of them he last year. He got a lot better from, yeah. from the previous year to this year. Like it changed a lot. Like he wasn't even really on a radar and I see a lot of Maryland football. And then, so he improved significantly and, and obviously, you know, deserves what he got. And I wish him the best of luck, you know, with, with where he's going. Um, I just think largely like the message here is, and, and this falls, you know, exactly where um, I thought they needed to fix. And it was, it wasn't just find a corner. It was find somebody who can make plays. Right. Like, they just didn't have a lot of turnovers. Like there were no. two <laughs> things that happened last year that were nine you know, interceptions. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, their, their corners don't get picks or not a lot of them. Um, they're good corners, but they don't get picks. So they don't change the game. Um, and you know, offense wasn't scoring any points and the two areas you could point to and say, well, if we're going to change that, it's fix the offensive line and get a corner that might flip a field. And they've, you know, I think they've somewhat started to address the offensive line. I hear them on this, you know, the signing of Wiley and Gates gave them options at 16. Don't think they're done there. And no, I, think I don't think they are honest, at all. They, they would they would admit that. They, they, yeah. Be honest here. Like, they're not done. I don't think they're done there. And that's why we focus so much on tackle um, in the first round, because I think we know, even if it would have been weird to select one in the first round, because you're going to slate in a tackle at the starter after you signed Wiley and have Leno, that doesn't totally jibe and make a tremendous amount of sense. This guy slots in as a as a starter immediately. They'll figure out what to do with Fuller and St. Juice from there. And I think right at this juncture to me, I'm not really sure which way they would go. Um, St. Juice, if you recall, was in the slot in the spring into the summer. William Jackson was supposed to start on the outside. That went haywire early. They moved St. Juice back. I actually thought that was an underrated, amazing storyline yeah. that he just went back over there and actually excelled at the position, albeit with not a lot of turnovers, but excelled at the position. You know, that was a tough circumstance yeah. that they threw him in to do that. Are they going to ask him to do it again? Or were they so happy with how he performed on the outside? 
do they ask Kendall to go back into the slot? I guess we'll just have to see how that plays out. Right. And 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 the one thing Fuller has experience in there, and then what they liked about St. Houston, there was a short area of quickness and the length inside. So that was so so either one of them they can feel they can do it. The other thing to keep in mind, Fuller's a free agent after this season. So this they had they don't have very good depth at corner. So this gives them certainly another another really good option. What would you like He's to see? Been, the- um, sorry to interrupt you. He's actually been a candidate to me to um to extend and uh and and uh and re and rejigger his contract. I mean, frankly, and I don't but like I don't know. I don't the only thing I'll say with that, I think. There's a feeling like, well, maybe because as a back, I think if he can be a third corner and maybe be inside then and that I could see that. And, you know, but I think his days as a starter may end after this year. So that's the only thing I'd wonder right. about. And if you're going to extend him, I think you're going to want to make sure this guy can. But he only, shoot, Bram, he's only 28. It feels like he we're talking about sometimes I think he's like 32 years old. He's 28. He's only yeah, I mean, he, there are a few people on this he's team. A, he's a really good rest- zone corner because he's smart. Right. I mean, the restructuring of contracts on a few very select people, Logan Thomas, Chase Roulier, Kendall Fuller, haven't happened yet. And I'm actually semi-surprised by that. It would offer them some cap flexibility if yeah. they're looking for it. Um, with Roulier, it's a different story because, I, I mean, I'd have to hear more about why they haven't either restructured with him or release them. Like I'm kind of waiting to hear what the situation is. Or, yeah, and I don't. Yeah, with Logan Thomas, like they probably were waiting to get through the draft to make some decisions about what they want to do there. But with Kendall Fuller, he is a candidate to me. If you look at his deal and you go, all right, if he's willing to work with you and wants to stay and recognizes that he's not going to get top tier money on the on the open market, maybe he'd be open to something like that. And so I, I don't know. I know. think with I think with Logan, I think. At one point, I heard the plan would be more. They would be more apt to look at him to do something like that after during training camp or after when they see where he's at with his game, and yep. they see where he's at as a blocker. Is he getting back to where he was? You know, and now this is assuming they don't take anybody in in the draft and they would make a move. Right. Short of that, short of that, the plan had been like get to there and maybe at that point you extend them and then lower the cap hit and extend that way. So, but yeah, they have some things yeah. they can do with deals uh, between now and other, because they don't have a lot of cap room. So that, that is an issue uh, moving forward yeah. to sign, even just to sign the rookies. Did you know the largest ropes course in Zipline Park in the country is right here in the DMV? Located in the heart of Montgomery County, the Adventure Park at Sandy Spring combines climbing and ziplining to create an aerial obstacle course unlike any other. With challenges anywhere from 10 to 75 feet in the air, there is something for all skill levels. Looking for some family time or the perfect date night before football season starts? You can even climb and zip line under the stars. Would you rather keep your feet on the ground? Give axe throwing a try. With their projector systems, you can throw at traditional targets, play tic-tac-toe, connect four, or even hunt zombies. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any ticket by entering the code KIME23DC at checkout. That's KIME, K-E-I-M, 23DC. So there you have it, folks. Climbing, ziplining, axes, food, and bonfires right in your backyard. The weather is warming up, so it's the perfect time to head outside and join the adventure at www.theadventurepark.com. That's www.theadventurepark.com. 
kime and enter promo code KIME23DC. So what, what do you want to see? We, you got day two, rounds two and three. They got two pick. They have one pick in each round. Where, where would you like to see them go? So, you know, listen, like I was kind of advocating for Dalton Kincaid for a while that I'm like, that's a pretty good pick for them. He's obviously off the board now, but that is a very deep field and there are going to be good options at tight end for them when they're picking. Musgrave. And, and assuming there isn't a run that occurs at the beginning of the second round. Um, so that's an interesting spot. Offensive line still remains. I mean, it, it's it's so obvious they need help there. Um, if they're going to be able to get one of the top three best interior offensive linemen, which may happen now, um, it's hard to turn that down in the second round. And then considering, you know, the predicament they put themselves in with Sweat and Young, you know, I think a good edge rusher, if the right one is sitting there, is also a viable option here early. So all of those really scream to me the best thing for them to do. Well, Offensive line, you know, I don't think, I mean, I haven't seen the end of the first round here, but I can't imagine Brian Branch makes it that far into the second round. If he does, that's another one that I think is a very viable option for them. But offensive line, potential at tight end, if you think you're getting a starter, you know, and I think you can make a case for some of these guys, especially like Kincaid or Mayer or someone like it could be a starter. If you like them that much, I would look at that. Um, and those are the spots I would, and edge rush if the right guy just happens to be there for them because of the situation that they put themselves in. And I'm going to get to that in one minute. We'll wrap on that. But I do my thing when I'm looking at the second rounds, two and three, still offensive line somewhere in there, um, whether there, there, are, there are some tackles that they still like that are on the board. Uh, Matthew Bergeron, I think is still out there, um, I believe. And yes, he is. I think he's a guy that I would watch in in the second round um because he's got some versatility but i think he's a guy I, he's a guy that they like i think that would be one to watch i think the other spots are safety would be one but it's got to be a safety for what they want from the safety it's someone who can play the buffalo nickel and i love brian branch but i would worry about him wearing down in that buffalo nickel role just like they're concerned with cam curl being worn down in that role as well but branch is a player and Branch can make plays. And so you would, if you got a guy like that and you have he and Fours back there, you suddenly have a defensive backfield that can make plays. So yeah. he's a guy that if they got him, even if he doesn't necessarily fit to a T that Buffalo Nick role, and I don't know, and I'm not sure, it kind of got mixed feelings from them about his role there, but he's only, I think he's listed 190 pounds. That's small for that role, but the guy can play. And so somebody used made the comp to like Honey Badger, and I think that's a pretty good comp for him. He's a player, so and he's really smart. So if you got him, that's great. But they want a guy for that Buffalo nickel role. Antonio Johnson, Texas A&M, I think he's a guy that could maybe fit that. It may be that there's a linebacker like Henley from Washington State. Could he play that role? Yeah. He's a he's a bullet. So, but he'd probably be more the third round, I think. But you, so you'd want a linebacker, um, Buffalo nickel sub, you know, guy to pair with Curl. And, and, you know, maybe tight end, but I think those are the, the other ones would be the ones I'd look at it first now with Chase Young. So they obviously made the decision. And when Revere was asked about it tonight, it was just a, basically a football decision. They want to take care of their own. And if Young goes out and has a really good year, it's a good problem for them to have. And I think they, you know, listen, if Young has a kind of year, they hope they'll find a way to keep him around. 
But here's the other thing. And this is one thing that I, and, and I talked about this with, with Nikki Javala yesterday. Um, so I don't want to go too much. People can listen to that, but I am curious to hear what your thoughts on all that was. I'm, I'm only surprised. I didn't forecast them doing this because uh, with Montez Sweat on an expiring contract as well, there's an asset management part of this um, that I thought they would just pick up the option because then they don't have to make a decision on both of them. Um, and now they've put themselves in a position where they do. It is odd that they have the same agent. They are also very close, like they're, they're friends and um, genuine. And so I think, you know, will this be awkward now? I know we'll have to ask them if it is. Um, I haven't heard about a attempt to extend Montez Sweat this year at this point. So if that's not going to happen, then we are playing a little bit of Game of Thrones right now with, you know, these two defensive ends. And I have a hard time believing that, you know, when Rivera says it, I listen, he has proof of it. They paid Payne, they paid Allen, they paid McLaurin. They they have he has proof of yeah we do pay our own when you perform well, I haven't seen them do two in the same off season at the same position group, so you know I I just I don't know how this works out where both of them are here beyond this year even if they both have great seasons and they can prove me wrong if that's you know if that's what it's going to be on the other side of it I hear them on this he hasn't played very much in the last year and a half. Um, over the last two years when he was healthy, which was the first half of his second year. And I don't know if I'd call it healthy the last few games that he played, but he was deemed ready to be able to play. He did not have a massive impact on the games. And if that's going to be the case, then you do not warrant giving somebody $17 million. So I will hear them on all of that. This is complicated because he is who he is. He's a star. He's from here. He's the second overall pick. And I think we saw it in the second half of his rookie year. And I think we can just, you know, as much as we talk about Emmanuel Ford size, go look at him. He's built differently. And he is someone that could, when he maximizes his potential, be a game-wrecking, game-changing force. And we're all hoping that that's what he is now. Um, The last thing I think I would say about it is this, like his career's on the line this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, and they put it on the line because if he doesn't perform well this year, what makes him think some other team is going to give him a Nick Bosa contract? They're not. Oh, no, they're he not. will become a sh- prove-it-to-me player for at least a period of time, if not the rest of his career. And if he has a couple of big years, he'll become a mercenary of some team that's looking for to pay and hoping to get a flash in the pan with him for a season. So this is a humongous season for him. you know, And that's why I thought that because sweat's coming up at the same time, I didn't think they would kind of put them both to the test at the same time, but they have. So how do they think about that? And how are they going to think through if both of them perform well? I guess we'll get there when we get there. Well, the other thing is it would have been hard to keep them both, even if they picked up the option on Young. We're still talking $17.45 million. So, and and Young sweat's going to get a big deal. So it would have been difficult anyways. And to be honest, one thing, if you really wanted to kind of go down that road, if you want to keep them both, that you could franchise tag one and then you extend the other. And in that first year, the the money is low because it's just like Deron Payne's money is low this year. It's $10 million issue in the cap. So you could actually help yourself in that way 
for next for the next year. Now you may not be able to keep them both down the road, but it does buy you another year to keep them together. And that guarantee that money is guaranteed next year. So if Young didn't go out there and play well, you're on the hook for over 17 million for a guy who wasn't playing very well. Now, if he goes and balls out, that's that's a great problem for them to have because it means they probably have if that guy pull if that guy plays to where we think he can, this defense is really, really good. Really, because then you have a game changer in the yeah. front, you have a game changer in the back with Forbes, potentially. And that's what you want. So you have a chance. So like if he gives you that, they want that. And there was no thought of they weren't going to trade him because nobody was calling them about a trade for him. They weren't going to give him up for a low round pick. They would have been foolish to give him up for anything but a first or second. And nobody was going to offer them that. They weren't calling these guys on him. So the you know, and and you're not going to trade Montez Sweat because he's your best defensive end in a year where you have to win. It you know, so this isn't baseball where you trade stars ahead of time, a year ahead of time. This is a sport where you need these guys to win, and this is a coach staff that has to win. So you're going to keep them both. There was no, there was never any doubt in that. But the other problem here, Bram, is too. Cam Curl is going to be up, and so that you have a couple guys coming up as well. So and they have they have expressed a desire to extend Montez Sweat. Not to the level that I didn't hear the chatter like I did with Terry McLaurin or anything like that, where you knew that would get done. It's more like there's a desire to do that. Where that's going to go, I don't know. And like they'll bring up Deron Payne and, and his situation. And I know a lot of people, listen, I heard this, the same comments I'm hearing about these two right now is exactly what I heard about Deron Payne last year, which is, oh, you, if you can't keep him, you should just trade him. Well, they kept him. They found, you know, he played his ass off and they kept him. Now, again, they may not be able to keep both these guys, but if 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 one of them only plays okay, you're not going to get stuck with a massive contract because you feel like you have to pay him, right? So that's the only thing there. So and, and I think it can pay off if they're both, if they both have a good year, then that's what this team wants. So um slight, slight gamble, but again, Chase Young has not Chase Young had not earned that fifth year contract, that option. That's the problem here. He has not earned that. And that's that's where the real problem lies, is it was it it wasn't a no-brainer to pick it up. It just wasn't. The uh, the only last thing I would say about it is, I mean, just consider this. This is a weird year. Consider the circumstances. There are new owners coming in. Ron Rivera is on the record talking about what is obvious, which is he knows the team has to perform well, you know, before he has to talk to a new ownership about staying in his position. And that's everybody, you know, and, the, and so this is going to be, you know, this is a show me year for everybody. There's nothing more motivating to the players than playing in a contract year. And look how many guys they have in contract years this year. You know, can he generate all of them performing at their best at the same time to make a case that things are really, truly going in the right direction? You know, this is a kind of we're all in this together here a little bit. There's a lot of choices that are going to be made here. Um, he knows that. And, you know, it is it's in his best interest that these players are motivated and play as hard as they can on behalf of the team and him and obviously themselves. So it's all kind of, you know, narrowing yeah. into one spot where. We're in weird circumstances, unusual year, another year of a lot of uncertainty. I know, you know, on the outside, a lot of people are like, they think things are going to automatically kind of stabilize once the new owner takes over. Well, not for the people in the building. Like, no. remember that part. No. Not for the people in the building. For the people in the building, you know, this is going to be a year of proving value to stay in their positions. Correct. And everybody knows that. And anybody who's ever been through any change of ownership and anything that they've been in before, and I've been in, in media a lot like knows there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty that comes with it. 
And sometimes you end up being, you know, you stick around or they value you and sometimes they don't. And oftentimes having motivating forces around you, helping you get to the goal of sticking around um, can be beneficial. So there's a lot happening here, yeah. frankly. I mean, there really yeah. is. Yeah. And it, But in the case, like, I agree with you. Like, did he not earn that fifth-year option? No, I would agree with you. I also, to be fair to him, that was a really bad injury. That he yeah, I don't, like, I understand that was why. not a normal knee injury. So I want to be fair to him. And not that complicates it. That, that like, complicates it. should have been better at the end of last yeah. year. I, I really feel like, hopefully he will be back to where he was come this yeah. fall. That, that knee injury complicated the situation, but the the other problem was he wasn't playing well before that knee injury. And and that's what they were definitely aware of that. Yeah. And, and so he like also, that is, you know, and there's a lot more to it that we can talk about at a later date. Cause I know you just want to move on. And I, I, I get it, but like, there's a lot more to it. It's, it's not just the injury. Like they want him more accountable at OTAs. Correct. Like there's a lot of things, lot. you know, that were going on here. That were just they want him playing you know, within the system and with yes. these guys. And, and when they when when we heard about maturity and you know whether selfish play, whatever, there was a lot that was going that way. I mean, let's correct. be real. So and both sides have been kind of passive aggressive about each other. Yes. You know, so like hopefully this for him, like this should clarify everything. You better show up, you better really play really well. And you don't have to have a million sacks. But it's got to show up on film that yeah. you look like the number two overall pick that yeah. we thought you were going to be. Not only whether for your future here, but for your future anywhere, frankly. Yeah. yeah. No. And and I listen. The guy is capable of it. I think he can do that. I think he can have a good year. He can make big plays. So this isn't about that. So we'll see. But you know, yeah. we'll a lot of time to talk about that. And there you go. Now, but tomorrow night we got rounds two and three. I'll be back after the draft to to wrap up those rounds after we talk to Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew again at the end of round three. And you can read my work on ESPN.com. I have analysis after every pick. You can listen to Bram on the radio tomorrow, ESPN 630. And then you can then I'll wrap up Saturday after the draft as well. So there you go, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Bram, thanks for joining me. And I'll talk to you next time.